We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Guess what? We're back. Food for thought. Super wild card weekend. Full of a little bit of everything. Ton of drama, a couple of blowouts, some really good games, and some epic collapses. We're going to cover it all today. We're going to recap a little bit of the weekend. We're going to talk about some coaching vacancies and some rest of league drama and things that are happening, including a first ballot future Hall of Fame lineman announcing his retirement uh, on Tuesday here. After his team took an L over the weekend, it's going to be a fun one. We got four games on the DraftKings main slate for this weekend. They did the right thing and made a two-day main slate. It looks like, and my buddy, my wingman, Chief Justice 06, will priest are here to break it down with me. What's up, man? We are in the playoffs once again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was a interesting weekend. And I, I don't think people realize if you didn't really look at the landscape of what happened. Um, and I am a little hoarse this week, folks, because I've been coaching basketball and coached, you know, two, two games over the weekend. So um, voice is a little bit weaker than usual, and I didn't really realize it until it was time for the pod. And I was like, hey, I don't have the juice today. Uh, so hopefully, as you can hear, hopefully we uh, we can still bring the heat. I just may not have to be my normal uh perk yourself verbally trust me there's a lot of perk going on inside 
And uh, the interesting thing for me over the weekend, Luch, was it was blowout city outside of one game in a wild card weekend. That 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 took me by surprise. But Luch, guess what? I sat back, I reflected, and I said, "Wait a minute, I shouldn't be shocked at all. This is the no faith league." And so, you know. Um, I'll do my no fake league recap really simply here and just kind of talk about what I think were the main factors of the game. Browns, Texas, 45-14. We saw a rookie quarterback just have a masterful performance in C.J. Stroud. And we saw a Joe Flacco who flamed out a bit. The two pick sixes is really what cost him this game. The game was was fine. If you watched the first half, you thought this game was going to be 45-40. And the two pick sixes really just put the nail in the coffin. T.J. Stroud runs away with it. Uh, Texans emerge from uh, uh, triumphant. Dolphins, Chiefs, Dolphins just never got going. Chiefs did what they had to do in cold weather, 26-17. It is what it is. Cowboys, Packers. This might be actually the big one, Luch. Cowboys at home. They pretty much hit around their average for points. But boy, did the Packers get going on the ground and through the air early. We just saw, you know, Jordan Love make timely throws again and again and again. Felt like Romeo Dobbs had 10 yards of separation on every reception. Uh, You know, guys running wide open in the secondary. They just, they had a really good game plan. And once again, you know, I think that speaks to Matt LaFleur and once again, Luch, you know, you're going to hear from me in this way. The Packers keep beating Father Time. I think I think that's something we need to discuss a little later. The Packers are now continually beating Father Time with their quarterback, and it ruffles a little feathers. They don't care. So Jordan Love needs to realize right now he's probably got about 10 to 12 good seasons, and then he's out the door. They'll be on to the next great quarterback. I'm joking a little bit, but you get my point. Rams, Lions, definitely probably the most exciting game in terms of competitiveness on the weekend. Both teams played well in the first half, slowed down a bit in the second half. Lions were able to fend off the Rams. Uh, looks like Josh Reynolds got his revenge, had a big day. Uh, I think he had something, somewhere around five catches for 80-something yards or 90-something yards. We had a big day. Um, Bill Steelers, I don't think anybody expected the Steelers to win this game. Hung around, but the turnover ball guide him. Mason Rudolph throws a turnover uh, late in the first half in the end zone, by the way, Luke. And so instead of this thing being maybe what I think it was, what, 14 to, to zero at that time or maybe 21 to zero, and they were getting the ball back. I can't remember exactly, but, you know, either way, that turnover was very costly, definitely changed the complexion of that game. And then the Eagles just never got off the bus. Buccaneers run away 32-9. Uh, I will say this. If you notice, Buccaneers kept kicking field goals until the touchdowns kept continued to run up, and they, they, they just ran away with this thing, man. Uh, and so Eagles have a lot to figure out. No faith league recap, wild card edition with a little bit of a horse voice. Good recap. Backtracking chronologically, pick six has also killed the Browns. Um, I was wrong about this game. I thought it was a coin flip, all things considered, but I picked Cleveland. 
I did too. It, it was a coin flip until the pick sixes. Like it was, it was a back and forth affair for sure. And and CJ Stroud. I mean, neither team ran the ball, and part of that was you know Cleveland getting game scripted out of the second half. But still, uh, I think Houston had seventy six on the ground. Cleveland at fifty six. These were the top two teams in uh, rushing adjusted rushing yards allowed before contact in the football league. So at least I got that part right. And CJ Stroud threw two seventy four, three tutties, uh, only threw the ball twenty one times. Uh, super efficient, uh, massive chunk plays. Right, so you don't yeah. have to throw a ton when you get the chunk plays. Great design. Uh, head uh, offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick stock is rising by the hour. You know, they had a couple of pick sixes, Nico Collins, 15-yard tutty, Brevin Jordan, 76 yards from C.J. Stroud in the second quarter, Dalton Schultz, a 37-yarder as well, and they found explosive pass plays. And but from they've been doing that all season. They've done it all season. Time, That's the thing. From time to time, we saw this Browns defense be a little bit leaky. Great on paper, thought they underperformed, were not as consistent as maybe I thought they would be. Um, I know they were a little banged up, but I mean, you had Denzel Ward back there. You had your guys and just testament to D'Amico Ryan's, this whole organization, you know, they figured out the draft in, you know, 2023 ended up getting Will Anderson and landed CJ Stroud as well in what could be a decade changing uh, draft class for them. And uh, I think this is a dangerous division, and we'll get into that. But Houston, Indy, and Tennessee all have a ton of cap space. Um, all have young quarterbacks who have shown something. Obviously, C.J. Stroud has showed by far the most so far. Um, and you're looking at Jacksonville, who clearly is probably doesn't feel as great as they did six weeks ago about the AFC South. And here's Houston moving on to the divisional round. It, it's got to feel awesome for them and their fans. And uh, a, a quick turnaround in this league is possible. You hit your head coach. You hit a quarterback get a couple pieces right and you get hot. Can I mention one other thing that I feel like, man, folks, I'm so sorry about my voice today. I just, this, 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 this pod is going to be so punchy. It's going to be so good. Um, One other thing I want to mention about Houston is I can't overlook their brilliance in getting Tunzo, Larry Tunzo so early. They got him when this team was down in the doldrums, but look at how it's paying off for a young quarterback now. C.J. Stroud barely touched in a wild-card playoff game against Miles. I mean, Laramie Tunzel held his own against Miles Garrett out there at left tackle, folks. Folks, let me tell you something. Miles Garrett is a problem. How many times did you hear his name in a wild-card game? I think zero. The value of the offensive line, and Luce, this is something we talked about when we're talking about building football teams, whether you go and get a guy, you trade for some guys, or you draft guys. You better fix your your offensive line, or it's not going to be looking good for you. That, because you got to get those guys while CJ Stroud's on the rookie deal. If you don't get them on the rookie deal, now you're trying to draft rookies and mold them. So that's off to Houston. I know they made that deal. Uh, was that what, what are we pushing three, four seasons ago now? Because I think uh, um, um, I think Deshaun Watson was still there when they picked up Tunzel. I mean, just but brilliant move. And they didn't realize, I don't think, how well it would pay off, but now they're seeing the dividends. And once again, folks, you know, we're a pro offensive line show here. You got to have those guys. 
And I think the Texans having him to, to help their rookie quarterback, I mean, sensational. And, and that's kind of a unique rarity. There aren't typically more than three or four top tier linemen on the market from year to year. A lot of those guys are homegrown and they get the bag because their team, they you know, their team needs them. And right. you see those guys like Jason, uh, Jason Kelsey's, you know, obviously a 1% hall of fame offensive lineman, but there are a reason him, Wayne Johnson, guys like that get locked up early in their careers and get paid early because you need to build, you know, that foundation. Think, think about Wentworth going to the Rams. That was another big move. The Rams made, few seasons ago. Now he's since retired, don't get me wrong. But think about what it did for their organization. You see, when you got a chance to go get one loops and you got a team that's building, you better do it. Offensive linemen are a premium in the NFL and they still get to enjoy their lives and walk down the street. The only time somebody knows they're football players because typically they're a big, strong, tall guy and they say, hey, do you play the sport? You know what I mean? But offensive linemen, hats off to those guys. But just just the the players Houston brought in recently, obviously hitting a, a capable quarterback like Stroud makes the world a difference. But you know, a lot of those guys aren't splash, you know, max contract guys that they brought in. But you put them in the right system with a good offensive coordinator, get them in space, and you have a guy like C.J. Stroud come in and be very good from the beginning. You develop Noah Brown, Noah Brown, who barely played in Dallas. I mean, he you know. Every now and then he'd catch a 30-yard pass, but explosive playmaker Noah Brown didn't exist in Dallas. And now he, you know, obviously been banged up, didn't hit the stat sheet, got hurt. Um, but remarkable season for Noah Brown. And no take Dell this game. Imagine if Tank Dell was in the mix. Tank Dell, you know, next man up, rookie, young kid, missed a season, you know, dealt with a lot off the field stuff, health issues. Uh John Matich, John Machich, the third. You know, we knew how explosive he was in college. Comes in, playoff game, three catches for 40 yards. Dalton Schultz, security blanket. Only had one catch. It was a big one, but he's been consistent, you know, for most of the season. And, of course, they believed in Nico Collins, you know, when they drafted him uh, in the past. And now he actually has a quarterback throwing him the ball. But, you know, although Devin Singletary isn't sexy and the running game hasn't been great, you know, who would have thought the Damian Pierce regression was the biggest miss uh, or, like, you know, talking point on this team and Devin Singletary took over uh, a castaway from Buffalo. And you know, rightfully so, they have James Cook and they figured it out. But, you know, where would this team be without the, you know, although Devin Singletary is still young, he's played in some really big games in Buffalo. And he is the volume guy in this Houston team right now in that backfield. Luke, let me just say, and I've mentioned this before, and I've talked about it on this podcast, but situation matters, right? And the way the coaches see the game plan and see you, Matters in the NFL. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. I've talked about it before. I'll say it again. Folks, Devin Singletary was an absolute monster in college. Just go and look up his Florida Atlantic University statistics. He was a beast. This man had billboards for Florida Atlantic University. That's how good he was in college. He ended up in a situation with the Bills where he's in this weird timeshare. And they just, they just didn't want to give him the ball. But but look at what we saw this season, Luch, when they gave him the ball. This man took over the backfield. And they didn't have to pay him the way they would pay CMC or um, 
or Alvin Kamara, one of those. They're not paying him that way, but he legit took over the backfield. I think that should tell you all you need to know about how really good Devin Singletary is. Like, he's a really good running back. Just on, right the flip side, on the flip side, I don't, I mean, I don't know what to say about Cleveland. Obviously, a huge disappointment, especially in the way that second half ended. But what do you do? Uh, there are eight teams in the NFL with negative cap space heading into 2024, and the Browns are one of them. Deshaun Watson, I, what I mean, what you can't even say anything about this season. It was a lost one, and maybe we'll never see that quarterback again. I mean, he has so much pressure on him to perform due to his, you know, off the field history and. Uh, you know, for one reason or another, he has, I'm sure his DMs are full of more hate mail than most of the players in the NFL. For whatever reasons it is, like, it's got a lot going on. And we've seen Joe Flacco come in this offense and really open it up in ways that he did not when he had opportunity in Cleveland. And, you know, you think of Cleveland and you think of teams that are ready without the quarterback, and Cleveland's pretty close, man. And I, I I don't know what their situation is going to be. It's going to be fascinating to see if they are indeed stuck with Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I don't know how you don't give him another season at this point, just because of the financials. And, yeah, and you the, know, the money says they have to give him another season. Bottom line. Yeah. So uh, it's. I mean, I know a lot of teams got blown out, and the and the Browns included. But you know, you, you start to look to twenty twenty four as a fan, and the roster's great. It, you look at the position, you know, the guy taking the snap under center, and maybe don't, maybe you don't feel as good, maybe you don't feel as good as you want to be heading into next year because that that seems like the glaring hole, the, the question mark. Can he take care of the ball? Like, can he be a game manager with you know an occasional couple of play action deep bombs a game? They don't need him to carry the team like he was in Houston. They need him to be play competent football and win 10 games, 11 games. What are your thoughts on Cleveland heading into next year? Well, I think if Deshaun Watson comes back completely healthy, and Nick Chubb comes back completely healthy, then they have a shot again to be in the thick of things in the division. Now, next year, Joe Burrow should also be healthy. I don't know what's going to happen in Pittsburgh, but he should also be healthy. Here's the thing, Luch. It's kind of, kind of in the same vein of what you mentioned. Deshaun Watson doesn't have to be 300 yards passing the game. The offense just has to move down the field, and he has to look like an NFL quarterback. Now, what do I mean by look like an NFL quarterback? I'm saying if Deshaun Watson can give them anywhere from 230 to 250 a game on average and can put pick up a few yards on the ground like, like, he, like he did back in the day, he doesn't have to run every play. But if he can pick up, you know, 20 to 30 yards rushing on the ground a game, right, have some timely throws and keep them in the game out of trouble, keep the turnovers down and and score points, even even if they go back to a methodical style, which is what we pretty much saw from Stefanski outside of Joe Flacco pushing it down the field. If he looks good, Luke, right, because what happened since spots this season, he just didn't look good. They were winning games, but he didn't look good. If he just looks good and they win, I think people are going to even forget about the contract. They're going to say, okay, hey, Deshaun's playing good football, not turning it over, methodical, decisive. 
moving the football down the field, we're scoring points, we're winning games. Hey, this looks great. And they probably could have used some of that on, on Saturday, believe it or not. They probably could have used some of that methodical Deshaun Watson, a little bit of the running rushing ability from Deshaun Watson to keep them out of trouble. But, of course, he's been on the shelf hurt, and he's got to get past it because, you know, it's it's going to go down as – and look, here, here's what I'll say last thing, and I'll be quiet about this. I still can't fault Cleveland for swinging for the fences here. They had to do it, right? Think about how many draft picks they had that they just wasted. I mean, Baker Mayfield uh, is the most recent to come to mind, and now he's headed to, you know, uh, the second round of the the, the NFC uh, playoffs. Uh, and so many other guys, Luch, Johnny Manziel, Tim Couch, uh, the head Carson Palmer, he left. Like, just think about how many people, how many quarterbacks – came through that organization along with head coaches. So Stefanski obviously is going to stay. And I think they were trying to swing for the fences, Luch, and secure one of the best quarterbacks at that moment. And he was. He just hasn't looked the same since he's been there. Kansas City and Miami. Chiefs got it done at Arrowhead. Uh, I thought this game would be a little closer, but these are two of our food for thought second tier teams that we talk about a little more volatile a little more inconsistent and i guess it just i could say a lot of things about miami but i guess it just for me it boils down to is you know in my eyes they had a one quality win and that was against our food for thought tier two cowboys team and other than that they got blown out by baltimore they, you know, obviously the Bills. Twice. You know, they got blown out by the Bills. Semi-blown out by the Eagles. Uh, you know, they mopped up the bad teams, but. And they could have beat the Chiefs barring a meltdown late in Germany. They could have beat the Chiefs, but psychologically, lose this team just didn't get it done this season. No. But in the NFL, if you win the games you're supposed to win, if they win half of those top tier team or tier tier two teams, they win half of those. They're the AFC uh, East champs, and, and they got to go to Miami to play. Period. They cost themselves a shot at a home playoff game by losing to Buffalo. It's what it is. How about Spags in that Kansas City defense, though? As bad as Miami is, and in right now, and in injuries everywhere. I get it. I get it. You know, you're talking to a Tennessee Titans fan though, who led the league in bodies used for two out of the last three years. So kind of have no mercy, but uh, other than that, I mean, it looks, it, it almost looked like Miami was predictable. I mean, and I, I, I don't know. There's plenty of fingers to point around. It's kind of, I know Tua's numbers, regular season numbers were eye popping and, Clearly, Tyreek Hill makes anyone a better quarterback with, with what he can single-handedly do to a defense. Just ask Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I don't think it's a testament to Mahomes' lost ability to play quarterback. I mean, if you watched that game against Miami, he was still doing things, and you're like, damn, there's maybe one other guy in this league that can make that throw or jump here and make that throw or have the presence to get you know get move escape here or Put this on the money there. Look at that finesse ball, the leadership that calls it the line. And I get Mahomes a little goofy, 
he's kind of a goofy dude, but the guy is a killer on the football field. And yeah, and, and you know what? It's just I know Miami's dealt with a lot of a lot of issues for sure, but I I just I'm kind of I just have my doubts about Tua. I mean, like, it win us the big game because we talk about situation matters, Chief. When those tools were healthy and they still came up short in all those games, I mean, it's not all Tua's blame, right? I mean, it goes around a little bit. Even Mike McDaniel has to take some faults and there are some bad decisions. But could the situation get better for Tua than it is in Miami right now? This should be like peak Tua. I mean, it should. Here's what I will say. So here's what I actually think Miami was looking for this season. I I know this is going to sound crazy, okay? But hear me out on this, Luke. I think they view this season as as an actual win. Here's why. Tua did not sustain one injury and have to miss any games this season. When everybody else was falling down, Tyreek Hill's banged up. Jaden Waddles, Jalen Waddles banged up. Defense is banged up. Running backs banged up. Interchangeable week to week. Lose. It can't be, I don't want to minimize this. Tua did not miss a football game this season. I think the Miami Dolphins view that as a win. Now, he continues to progress, right? Comes back a little stronger this season. Let's see if he can complete complete next season. Let's see if this team can beat some top-tier teams next season. And if that's the case, they can get through healthy. Luke, I still think the Miami Dolphins are a good football team. Yes. I think, you know, I, I I still think they're good. I'd say great. I still think they're a good football team. Tua being healthy, though, I think is a big deal for that organization. If Tua goes down at any point in the season, has to miss three or four games, I think we're in the discussion of, hey, does Tua make it as their quarterback or do they start thinking about something else when it's restructuring contract time? I think Tua proves he can be durable this season. If he can do it next season, Luch, and keep building, I think they have something there. Their defense is going to be better. Like, they come back healthy. Brandon Chubb goes down this year. Um, uh, uh, oh, man, Ramsey didn't start the season. You know what I'm saying? There's some things to look at and say, okay, well, it didn't go quite how we wanted it. But if we can get healthy, everybody do your job over the summer. Don't go to Cancun and eat fajitas all day. Let's let's work. Let's get stronger. Let's get better. Let's protect our body. And they're professionals. They'll do that. Luke, I think there. I think I do think there's something brewing in Miami. We just got to see it. I think for the franchise too is, you know, you can look at cap numbers, and there are so many ways to you know get back to where you need to be and and have a little wiggle room. Um, the Browns, according to OverTheCap.com, are uh, twelve million in the hole. You know, which sounds like a lot, but you know you, you might have to lose a piece or two. But generally, you could probably run a similar roster back. You know, for Miami, you know they are 29th. They're negative 40 in the whole million, and you know you could bring in some personnel, but you're going to have to get rid of a couple of guys and shed some expiring deals. So it's going to be a net, and you know, kind of a net wash either way. So I just think we're generally going to be seeing the same you know, Dolphins team for the most part, returning. So I think the help that they are going to get is going to have to be through the draft or maybe some like, you know, one, one year vet minimum type of deal. And the chargers are, are in a similar situation. The bills, uh, similar situation, the saints, 
The Saints have are in double the cap hell of any other team. They're negative 82 million in the hole. And I'm sorry, folks, the Saints are who they're going to be. That that team, you're going to see the like that's what you're going to see in 2024. There's really no way you can work around you know negative 82 mil in a season unless you do a complete total rebuild and uh you know reboot this whole thing. So I'm not super concerned about Miami. I think they're a good football team, but I don't think you're going to see a boost in talent other than them getting healthier. And and maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they won't need it in the right matchups. Everyone growing together another season. Maybe they organically get better. I could say the same thing about the Bills, right? Like, boy, I wish it was anybody but Sean McDermott with Josh Allen, honestly. But you know, I have no you know qualms about the Bills. They're going to be contenders and. 2024, 25 as well. The Chargers, God only knows. Who are they going to bring in a head coach? We'll get to some of that soon. But, you know, what I'm saying is Miami can get healthier, but I don't think you're going to see, like, a a boost in, you know, talent coming in because there's no money. There's no money. Yeah. So. Agreed. Kudos to the Chiefs, though. Uh, They got it done. Spags has that defense playing great football. The ascension of Rasheed Rice was so necessary. How good is he becoming? And not only is learning the system, but getting some chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he listen, he was a good receiver in college as well. Um, and so, you know, I think being patient with a guy like him is a lot different than being patient with a Sky Moore or or Kadarius Tony or a Justin Watson, where they've already been with the team, or 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 you know, Marcus Valdez Scantling or um God, what's, what's the other receiver that came back from the Jets? Um, I can't remember. His, his name is eluding me right now. But um, but definitely, I think being patient with him, and he's definitely emerged as their number one guy. Um, Nicole Hardman is who I was thinking about. Um, but Rasheed Rice has definitely become the guy. And guess what? He, he better get it done now while he's on his rookie contract, right? Like, th- this is what the Chiefs have done. They did the same thing with Tyreek, and when it was time for him to really re-up and really pay him, they let him walk. Um, I'm not saying Rasheed Rice is going to command the same money as Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill really puts fear in, in defenses. But, you know, Rasheed Rice is going to turn out to be a, a really good addition to their football team. And really – it might extend Travis Kelsey's career for him to be good because if he can develop into a real threat that teams have the game plan for, and it's, and it's basically coming to that, then Travis Kelsey may get another two years out of his career. Two to three years. Green Bay, Dallas. Are you shocked? I actually am. And then I sat back, which I, that's why I mentioned it before the before I did my, my mini no faith league recap. I was and then I wasn't. Because I have to think about the, the football that we saw all season. We saw Dallas lose to Arizona. Right? Early in the season. We've seen them have some flops. We've seen them get into some dogfight. Like we, we we've seen them lose to teams that they should not have lost to. And what we saw at the end of the season was a young team that Matt LaFleur had, had been molding all season into a well-oiled machine. Now, here's what happened for them as well. They had some injuries. Interchanging uh, A.J. Dillon, 
and Aaron and and Aaron Aaron Jones all season long. It felt like neither one of them was healthy at the same time. Hardly any, right? Uh, Christian Watson hurt most of the year, using multiple wide receivers: Dartavian Wicks, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like multiple tight ends, and Jordan Love just kept kept getting. A little bit better, a little bit better. Went through some went through a spot in the season where he didn't look good. But as they got down to the end, we started seeing leaps and bounds of improvement. And you know, when the light bulb comes on for these guys, you know, I did hear a statistic today that I knew, but I just wasn't thinking about it. This is the youngest team in the NFL. Yeah. The Green Bay Pack, they're the youngest team in the NFL. Now, I want I want everybody to sit back and think about that. Getting rid of Aaron Rodgers definitely helps your average age. Don't get me wrong, because Aaron is what a little over forty, or, or getting close to forty. Either way, my point is, the Packers, man. As much as we've ridiculed them, and look, I've been on the record saying I thought Aaron Rodgers was the problem anyway. So you don't have to sell me on the fact that Aaron Rodgers needed to go, and that's nothing against Aaron Rodgers. I just felt like. Um, the value that he brought to the team was inflated in terms of the actual results that they achieved. Right. I feel, I felt like his value was overrated considering they only got one championship out of it. It's not like he won five, he won one. So considering that I felt like he was overrated and now we're seeing another young quarterback come in. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers was about to take them to a championship loops. If Jordan Love happens to get them to a championship within the next three to five years, they've already won the deal. They've already won the deal, right? Because they got another Lombardi in the case with Jordan Love, who they didn't have to pay nearly as much. So, uh, listen, man, I just got to hand it to the Packers yet again. I, it, it felt a little bumpy. It felt a little rocky. Who was who was all the way to blame? Who wasn't to blame? Maybe it was some Rogers. Maybe it was some of the front office. I'm not an advocate of treating legendary players a certain way, right? Like when somebody's been at your organization, they've contributed. They I'm not an advocate of like mistreating them the way the Panthers did Cam Newton. Story for another day. But I am an advocate of if you're ready to move on, let's just move on. Everybody part ways amicably, and it'll be fine. And the Packers win it. Yet again, Luke, got ahead of father time at the right time. Imagine if they were handcuffed to Aaron Rodgers and he gets an Achilles injury week one. And now they got to figure that out and bring Jordan Love in and let him play well. And then Aaron Rodgers wants to work his way back. And they're like, mm, we're not doing that, right? Then it gets even more sticky. I'm just saying, man, hats off the Green Bay in that front office. But once again, Luke, I have to say, because it's just so incredible. Once again, getting ahead of Father Time. How often do we see the Steelers held on to Roethlisberger too long, right? If they got, they just cut bait two or three years earlier, they're in a much better position today, right? Like, just think about that. Um, so, you know, once again, heck of a job by uh, by the Green Bay Green Bay front office, even though there was some turbulence there to get to where they are today. And they did a lot of it through the draft and organically. And and maybe maybe Green Bay is ready, and none of us can really put our fingers on it. The 2019 draft, 
Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, and starting uh, lineman Eldon Jenkins. They're still sticking around. 2020, they took Jordan Love in the first round, which many people were scratching their heads. Um, they ended up getting John Runyon Jr. starting tackle in the sixth round. So they found a, a couple of diamonds there for sure. The entire 2021 Green Bay draft was a dud. The whole thing was a joke. I'm not sure these players are really even contributing, most of them, anywhere. So uh, that was their miss. 2022, though, you know, they draft Quay Walker, uh, you know, big contributor. You know, they get uh, Devontae Watt up front. Christian Watson, second-round receiver. You know, he's built, dealt with injuries, like you said, but worst-case scenario, he's your speedster, right? Like, his floor yeah. is the, the vertical threat, right? You end up getting he's basically uh, Deshaun Jackson of this team right now. It, as, a, as a floor, not saying he's Deshaun Jackson. Look, Deshaun was a monster, but I'm saying – that type of a role is needed on some of these teams. Like Ted Ginn Jr., he carved out a role as being a guy that just would take the top off and it had to put fear in teams. Even though he, now he couldn't catch it as well, but he would put the fear of God in you if he, if he blew by you. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr., who's heard that name in a while? Man. How about it? Fourth round, they took Romeo Dobbs. Who's contributing uh, and, right now. And they also had another fourth round pick, Zach Tom, starting tackle. So, I mean, they really just nailed that 2022 draft. You know, you combine that with, you know, uh, well, they still have Jair from the 2018 class. So you have a couple of hits, you have a dud, then you have a massive draft haul in 2022. Just you know, contributing-wise is turning, you know, turning into a hit. Collectively, none of those guys in that 2022 draft would be like, wow, like, you know, Bowl stud, but, you know, high-level pros. And then, you know, 2023 rolls around. You take Lucas Van Ness, who's been great. Luke Musgrave, when he's been healthy, he's been great. Jaden Reed might be the best skill player on this team right now. And uh, when Musgrave was hurt, you end up in, you get Tucker Craft in the third right. round. Not to mention fifth round, Dontavian Wicks, who's had his moments on this team as well. Right. So and, and caught quite a big touchdown Sunday. So Luke, they missed maybe they're ready. One, they missed on one draft, and nobody cares because they've pretty much gotten value out of all the other three out of the four. And then, then, like you said, going back to 2018, when you get Jair Alexander, like, come on, like, what? They, I mean, they built through the draft. And, but, but here's what you heard, Luke. You heard wide receivers. You heard linebackers. You heard cornerbacks, safeties. Luke, you heard about offensive linemen. Think about that. Getting an offensive lineman in the sixth round, that is a starter today. Like, and what it reminds me of, Luch, is if you if you have a good scouting department, right, and they do their homework, they may find a first rounder, a guy that had he gone D one would have been first round, at like Stony Brook College, as an example. I'm just using that as an example. You find a guy that's like, whoa, 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 hold, hold on a minute, who is this guy at this D two school or D one? Who is this? Nobody's found this guy. Hey, hey, hey folks, folks, folks. They keep that close to the vest. They say, look, son, we think you can go pro. We want to get you here. Now, we might not be able to get you in the early rounds, but if you just you just stick with us here, we're going to have a home for you in Green Bay. And Luch, they get a diamond in the rough. How incredible is that? And, you know, it's because of all the media noise, of course, Green Bay, super small market team, has had generational quarterbacks for the last 
you know, two and a half decades that that kind of left that kind of put them in the national media spotlight because you have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Reggie White chooses Green Bay also during the free agent saga. Right. I mean, and that attracted a bunch of high level skill players, you know, playing with these guys. But all the media noise the last couple of years, Aaron Rodgers leaving. Aaron Rodgers, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? He's leaving. He's gone. He's he's out of Green Bay now for how long? And it's still, you know, pretty much what you hear coming out of out of the North uh, media. And it was less about Green Bay flying under the radar and, and making these value picks. And uh, maybe Jordan loves a better quarterback than healthier in Rodgers right now. Maybe he is. And uh, he's been a spark. He's had a hell of a season. And you know what? We'll save the Cowboys talk for our, our next little segment here. But uh, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, kudos to the Steelers for fighting. And I didn't think the Bills would lose this game, but there were flashes uh, that of the this Buffalo team that kind of uh, reassured me why I'm not ready to label them a Tier 1 team. I don't think this Bills team is a juggernaut. I have a 35-1 to ticket on them, as you might have heard me mention if you listen to our previous podcast. I want them to win <laughs> for financial purposes. <laughs> But I think they're a notch below Baltimore and San Francisco. And why? It's because this Buffalo team does not know how to step on anybody's throat and finish the job. And Buffalo let Pittsburgh hang around and make this a game. Make this a game. I mean, early first quarter, the live line was minus 24 and a half. That's how much of a blowout it looked like You know, it should have been. But Buffalo, I, I would say, um, did enough of nothing for the last kind of two quarters other than kind of just like survive and – they got the job done. They won by 14. Don't get me wrong. But this you know, was was a lot closer for about six or seven minutes of this second half than it probably should have been. Regardless, the Bills are moving on. I just think I'm, I'm sticking with my uh, assessment of them being one of the tier two football teams that are left with the upside with a clean game to maybe win the Super Bowl. Maybe. The, the, the problem is so, – so here's, the, here's why Baltimore – and I think San Francisco, and I know they didn't play, and neither one of those teams played this weekend. But here's why I think we really view those teams as tier one moves. Not only do they pass the eyeball test, they pass the coaching test. These teams have legitimate coaches that will make legitimate adjustments, have a legitimate game plan, and will have their team in a position to win. They also have what I what I like to call discipline loot. Both have pretty disciplined defenses. So they're not going to go out there and fool Baltimore too many times. Baltimore isn't going to let them off the hook with Shakir running down the middle and juke some guy and get it to his own. That's not happening against the Baltimore Ravens. You, you get what I'm saying? For sure. But those things aren't going to happen. Jo- Josh Allen isn't going to break away for a 52-yard touchdown. I can assure you Patrick Queen or one of these guys is going to be on what I'm going to call a partial spot. Right, they might not be in full spy mode, but I think they're going to get coached. Hey, all eyes need to be play your do your job, play your position, keep eyes downfield. We're not going to let Josh Allen run over us and make these big explosive plays with his legs. As an example, you get what I'm saying? I'm saying they will have the discipline to keep Josh Allen under contain enough, right? To 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 to, to help them win the football game. I think both of these teams. Uh, San Francisco and Baltimore play complementary football, even in most games, right? 
Well, when you're playing complementary football, it's very hard to beat a team that's balanced enough on defense and offense. I think that's the reason I can't take the Bills over Baltimore. This is why San Francisco and Baltimore are tier one. They, they're probably the most complimentary, the, the two best complimentary football teams we have in the league right now. Enough on offense with some explosive plays, enough on defense with some takeaways, timely stops, discipline. Those three things working together, it's going to be hard for a tier two team to just, one, beat them, two, run away. Even if they get a lead, I still don't trust them, right? Because that team isn't going to beat themselves. And that's, you know, when San Francisco has really lost those games, what has happened? Brock Purdy's Brock Purdy helped the offense beat themselves. That's not going to happen the rest of the way if they're healthy. So I don't – look, Buffalo, I, I commend them. It looks like they made the right call putting Joe Brady at offensive coordinator. Joe Brady was once in Carolina. The offense looked, looked anything like this. So clearly Carolina has personnel and all kind of top-down issues. I'm not going to give him that, Lucia. It's only going to make me frustrated. Joe Brady is now the Bills office coordinator. Basically unlocked the team, it looks like. It looks like this team suddenly took back off and got back into top contention where we felt like they should be. But I, I don't think they're going to beat Baltimore. I, I just think Baltimore was a better football team this season. They just lost Bernard, I think, in that last game. He had to leave with the walking boot. Le- losing another defender, having to come up and play Baltimore, I just I, – I can't, I can't do it. Baltimore should win this game, but a whole lot of respect for for Buffalo for digging themselves out of their own grave. Yeah, just you know, <clears throat> I think Josh Allen's able to bail this team out uh, a little more than than maybe we want to give the rest of the team credit for here. I mean, I, I kind of have the same. It's kind of like looking at the Miami thing. Obviously, I think Mike McDaniel's the better offensive mind, better coach. Um, but I have similar issues in just closing out games and uh, that going, going back to that Buffalo Miami game. I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if either Buffalo or Miami won that game by two touchdowns. I, I'm with you. I, I, it's the no faith league as we call it though. Um, if there's anybody that's going to put a couple of plays together in one game that make you say, how the hell did he do that? It's probably Josh Allen, but I think you need 300 yards in, in a clean game from him. To steal one in Baltimore, if it, if we get there, because we got another huge game coming up that we that's far, far from a sure thing in about Listen. six days. Yeah, for sure. I add in the rest disadvantage too. I, another, you know, playing on a Monday, going in a, you know, at least they're home, but still. Listen, I'm with you, but I I've seen Baltimore's defense play all season, and yeah, they gave up a couple games. But, like, this is one of the more disciplined defenses in football. Like, Josh, I, like Josh Allen, here's what's going to happen if, if if the Bills make it to play Baltimore. And Baltimore still got to win their game. So, let me just say that. They've gotta, they're got going to have their hands full with Houston. But Josh, they're going to play discipline, and they're going to make Josh Allen make a mistake. That's basically what it's going to come down to, right? This, this isn't the Steelers with T.J. Watt not playing. Which, which is another big hit for them, I think. TJ White not beat on the field and a couple other guys. But I just Baltimore, I think, will make Josh Allen will beat him into some mistakes with their discipline, right? They won't get outside of themselves, but I think Josh may try to get outside of himself to press a little bit. And I, 
and, and if you give the ball away to Baltimore, loose, they're going to convert it into points. They've done it all season. Whether it's three or seven, points are coming on the board. They're not, they're not leaving empty-handed. And that's the difference between playing Baltimore and playing the Steelers. You give it up, they're going to make you pay. Pittsburgh, another team that could figure out a little wiggle room with Cap, uh, but they're not in a great spot. Two teams in the same division who might be the most ready uh, other than the quarterback position. And I think situation matters, uh, but so, you know, you could defend Kenny Pickett a little bit here dealing with Matt Canada and and a bad offensive line. Um, I just, I don't think he's the guy. Mason Rudolph, I commend him for being the spark. It's been fun. It's been a fun month and a half, two months. It's not completely fair of me to sit here and say he's not the guy either. I just, my opinion, I I just don't feel that way. So they're kind of in a unique situation as well. It's like, all right, are we going to give one of these guys another chance? What what can they do? What money do they have? Not much. They might have to run Kenny Pickett back another year. Or do you bridge the gap with a cheap veteran? Like, but there's real no upgrade if they bring in a Ryan Tannehill. You know, they don't have Kirk Cousins' money. They like, what's the alternative here? Tough spot, tough spot. And uh, I just feel like they're kind of in a real similar situation as the Browns, same division too. Ironically, look, man. I think I think the first thing is we've got to figure out Mike Tomlin. I don't think the Steelers are going to fire Mike Tomlin uh, for what it's worth. Um, I I don't think that's happening. I think if Mike Tomlin's not there, I think he walks away on his own terms. Um, So that's just me. But I still think the Steelers have a lot to figure out just in terms of their offense in general. Like, they start to show a little bit of identity loops down the stretch, like getting their running game more involved. But I feel like it was because they felt like they were a little bit more deficient at the quarterback position, right? But I I don't know if they can run it back with any of these quarterbacks. But like you said, they may have to because of the money. Um, I agree. It's just the, the money is, is a big thing. Here's the thing. I'm looking at the predictions right now, right? The Steelers, because they keep being mediocre, Luch, they're going to be drafting at 20. Now, when you're in the first round playing football, you can get some incredible talent anywhere in the first round. I mean, heck, Lamar Jackson was like at the end of the first round. So that's not what this is about. But it's about the fact that if they're a little bit worse, Luch, maybe they're top 10, right? So, you know, it's, it's just things they can do or could have done. But I understand for pride's sake, the Steelers are, have technically been a winning organization for, God, over a decade, almost two. Like, they just don't they just don't have losing seasons, made it to the playoffs. <laughs> Double-edged like, sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you, you just I, need, like, one or two of those resets to, like – Get one of those yeah. blue chip top eight prospects, you know? Yeah. Um, such a, you know, such a then, spoiled fan base in a good way. I don't, I don't mean that derogatively. I'm like, 
bro, you guys have won for 20 years and it's all, right. I'm happy. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. It's like, yeah, whew, that's, that's impressive. And, and, but here's the problem. If they, even if they wanted to get another quarterback, it's going to be, have to be somebody that's a gem that drops for them to get them at 20 because there are too many teams up top that need a quarterback. Now, Luch, here's the thing. Here's the big one. H- hear me out here, Luch. I'm going to tell you what I think they should do, okay? Here's what I think they should do, but I don't think they're going to do it. And I think the other teams may have some better trade packages. If I'm the Steelers, I'm calling the Bears right now. And they're going to have to sacrifice, right? Loose. They're they're going to have to sacrifice. But they need an edge rusher. Another one. Hear me out here. Loose. Nobody's going to like it. But it might be time to send C.J. Watt to the Bears. That sounds crazy on paper. Until you realize if they're going to do it, they better do it. Net. Like, I'm not advocating that TJ Watt shouldn't be a stealer. I'm saying from a business perspective, if you're trying to nail your quarterback. Now, look, here's the deal. You don't want to really give away TJ Watt, who's proven, or Caleb Williams, who's unproven. And you only look like a genius if it works. But if you want to go get the quarterback, now's the time. Here's why. They can go get another edge rusher anywhere. Right, it's going to be hard for them to get the quarterback, but they also need an offensive lineman. They, it's, just, it's just things are going to, like you know what I'm saying. It's just so many things they're going to need, and they got to figure out okay, where's the value? They they need offensive linemen as well, and that's probably what they're going to draft in 20. That would be my assumption. Anyway, I, I know we're all speculation here, but I'm saying if they really want to go get a quarterback. Flipping, flipping, flipping TJ Watt would be, I mean, I think the Bears would be chomping at the bit. They'd say, whoa, 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 you're going to give up Watt? Now, the Bears might also have to send them something else, too. But you get what I'm saying? It could work. Have you seen that TJ Watt contract? Yeah, I know what it is. He has a potential out this season. No guaranteed money. They could be. But, but I, I, hot case. Do you Hot get what I'm saying? I, it makes sense. I, like, I what have the Bears been doing? Look, look at what they've done over the, the season. They didn't go and pick up offensive guys. They went to defensive guys all season long. What better way to completely shore that defense up than <laughs> T.J. Watt closer to the end of his country than he is in the beginning? The Steelers get Caleb. The Steelers get Caleb Williams, and now guess what happens? The Bears still. They still have another draft pick coming up, Luke. Like, it's not like they're out. I, I love it. They still got the ninth pick. They could go get a wide receiver. They could go, like, you get what I'm saying? They, the possibilities are endless. It's going it's to be an interesting couple of months. Anyway, I, listen, that is a hot take. I get it. But, like, and, and I, I don't, and the Steelers are loyal, so they're not going to get rid of TJ Watt. But I'm saying if you really want to sway for the fences here, like that would probably be the trade of the decade. If you think that fixes things more than it doesn't, and you have no money to go out there, you free up some space. 
to get a quarterback. The, the Bears get, I mean, it's not crazy. Get a quarterback, and the Bears get a defense that will probably be the, one of the most feared in the NFL. In a division that's coming fast. Right. Like, like it, they would basically be going back saying, hey, we're going to be – we're going to try to get our defense back to, I mean, smothering, keeping the points low, right? And then you bring in Greg Roman and say, listen, carry this offense to the promised land. And all of a sudden, like Lewis, all of a sudden, this Chicago Bears team comes out of nowhere and the NFC North is back. It's a dog fight to get to the playoffs now. When you got to go into Chicago, the Soldier Field, you got to go into Lambeau, you got to go to Detroit. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? It's a dog fight. Incredible. Look, I, and, what, and what if Minnesota brings Kirk Cousins back after all this? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That's what I'm saying. Nah, I love that. Put that in your back pocket for when, when a blockbuster trade happens in like eight weeks. <laughs> we'll say check the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Last one, Eagles Bucks. I didn't get everything right this weekend, but Tampa Bay plus three, easiest bet of the year. Epic collapse. Eagles were what, one and seven in their last eight games? Yeah, rough. Uh, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of blame to go around. Just terrible football the last couple of weeks. AJ Brown didn't play. Todd Bowles and the Bucks blitz all the time. AJ yeah. Brown Ryan was targeted. AJ Brown Ryan was targeted forty four percent of the time when uh, Jalen Hurts was under pressure this season, and uh, clearly you saw Hurts just peppering first reads last night. It wasn't AJ Brown. It wasn't AJ Brown. I, I don't know. The, the the state of the Eagles right now could, can't be fixed with the way things are. And I don't know what the hot commodity, what, like why Brian Johnson so heavily coveted because there's a big difference between play calling and play design. And I don't think he could do either one of them very well. And I, I don't think that's helping Jalen Hurts quote-unquote read or, or or feel a defense at all or either of those things everything's broken things have to be fixed and i'm i'm waiting for howie roseman to drop some news at some point with something something has to change and all the rumors and the whispers about the culture and the locker room and things aren't good well, things aren't good no. and then you know aj brown just deleting all of his socials before the weekend was just kind of the tip of the iceberg it's like here we go there's some merit behind that uh, and Jason Kelsey said, screw it, I'm out. So what to do with the Eagles? What is the issue after being world beaters, print the shirts the first half of the season, and uh, things went spiraling down very quickly? Um, Life goes at you fast. And uh, I think the other thing, too, was – once the NFL gets enough tape on you, right? See, I think these are professionals, man. Like we hear about these long days and nights that the film crew has, Luch, all the way down to the equipment guy, the, the coordinators, the head coach. These guys have long nights. Sometimes they're sleeping at the facility, right? So this is a full, I mean, a full-time job for them. 
you know, I mean, they're making all this money, but it's a sacrifice to make these hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars lose. Here's the deal. Once teams have you figured out in the NFL, you're dead. So you have to continue to evolve, right? Because, you know, and I heard a coach say this. This this was a basketball coach. This is a women's basketball coach, by the way. But something she said was brilliant. I mean, just brilliant. She said, look, at this point in the season, it all comes down to who wants it more, who can execute. She said, they know all our stuff. We know all their stuff. They know what we're going to run. We know what they're going to run. It comes down to who's going to show up and put their best foot forward every single game, right? And so you sit back, you think about that. Yeah, you're going to add some wrinkles, right? You're going to, But who's going to put on the pads, put on the jersey, walk out there with pride and say, look, let's, let's get it done. What I saw on tape from the Eagles was a team that didn't have any pride. When I see missed tackles, on what feels like every play of the game, loot. That's now we're playing with a lack of pride, right? Like, yeah, people are going to get run over. Everybody's going to slip. Like that's part of the game. But when we have multiple occurrences in one game, of just a lack of pride, a lack of 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 uh, 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 culture. Yes, yes. Football culture. Luch. Some of these touchdowns last night. Baker Mayfield didn't push the ball down the field. He threw 10, 12, 15-yard passes, and guys turned it into 40, 50 yards. David uh, um, David Moore, that touchdown? What was that? Happy birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, Birth- yeah. We're birthday call narrative the of the year. We're going to call it the birthday narrative, but, but, but come on. Brutal. Oh, Brutal. Palmer. Palmer. Trey Palmer. I mean, terrible. Yeah, I mean, what, no, he's not that? terrible. That The whole, the whole no, no, no. But you get what I'm saying? effort what, on what, the Eagles' part. What also. was that? I saw another one. Uh, Rashad White out of the backfield, third and three. They got a chance to stop him. Push the brakes so on, pushes the guy to the ground. Rush through two guys, picks up the three yards, had him dead to rights. I saw another one, uh, four or five yard out route. Guy goes to tackle, spins out. Another guy tries to hit him, spins out of that, runs down the sideline, picks up another four it. or five yards. I get it. Out. What is that? No see, accountability. Lack of pride. Come on, guys. Come a little bit on. of everything. Just a joint collapse, like a little and bit of everything. What? And that doesn't include Mike Evans dropping probably two 40-50-yard touchdown passes. This game could have been worse. And, and big win for Tampa. Tampa Bay played with heart. They played well. Um, shout out to uh, to Bucks doing their thing, moving the pocket for Baker Mayfield to make some of these play-action throws. Uh, the Eagles are just giving us a little more to talk about. Taking nothing away from the Bucks, a little bit poetic how Baker Mayfield's still playing football and the Browns are, are out and got throttled in the first round. So just really cool story for them getting a playoff win. And, hey, anything could happen. Any, anything could happen. Anything could happen next week. But the Eagles can segue us into, and we've about 15 minutes, talking about some of these coaching opportunities and coaching changes. And you know, the Eagles are so predictable as well. I mean, we go back to – you know, a month and a half ago, Christian McCaffrey's on the Manning cast while the Eagles are on TV, calling out exactly what the Eagles are going to run on national television. Once like, again, exactly. And listen, Luch, once again, if you put it on tape for a few weeks, this is the NFL, buddy. This is the high school. These guys are going to look and say, oh, 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 oh,
this is the setup. Okay, this is what they're doing. And they do it. Unbelievable. Here, and like I have two hypothetical coaching. Let's say Howie Roseman can Sirianni. And Brian Johnson will probably be gone somewhere. Maybe. Or maybe he won't get an offer for a, for a head coach. There's a lot of good candidates out there. I wouldn't want Brian Johnson. I'm not here to, like, bash Brian Johnson. But you've shown me nothing. You were a part of a collapse. You're going to have some serious explaining to do in all of your interviews about what the hell went wrong in the last two months of the season. Um, I Here's the, the, the risk of getting a defensive-minded head coach. You know, you get an offensive minded head coach, those principles are still going to be there, and there will definitely be some influence from that head coach on the play calling. So if your offensive coordinator bounces around, you can live with it. You can live with it. You know, I understand defense is very important. It's an offensive-driven league. There's no quarterback playing defense. I don't want to say it's more of a team game defensively, but it's probably like, you know, 60-40 because the quarterback carries the load on offense and makes all the decisions, has the ball in his hand every play. And where is he going to go with the ball is up to him, but the design is on the offensive coordinator. I just read a statistics by Field Yates. Field Yates. I can't talk today. Uh, I didn't have any caffeine. It's snowing here. I couldn't go get my coffee run. Field Yates put out a tweet. Well, before we started the podcast, New Orleans got rid of Pete Carmichael in New in, uh in Saintsville over there. So a necessary move probably. Talk about an awful offense, but a lot of blame to go around there in New Orleans as well. He was the longest tenured offensive coordinator. Now, right now, the longest tenured OC in the NFL is Brian Callahan from Cincinnati, who is a hot commodity around the league to get a head coaching gig, and he probably will. He's had that job for just five years. The longest tenured OC Everyone's poaching everyone's offensive coordinators. Everyone wants to move up that way, and rightfully so. It's an offensive-driven league. There's such a risk in getting a defensive mind head coach with such turnover on the guy or girl who has the influence on a chunk of the quarterback's decision-making every play. So my thoughts were maybe Mike Vrabel could fix this thing. I will tell you one thing. I think the ideal landing spot for Mike Vrabel, of course, I've watched a lot of Mike Vrabel, is he needs star coordinators. Look how good the Titans were with Arthur Smith was in town. Maybe Arthur Smith's not a head coach, but we talked about it. Some guys are just coordinators. And he right. didn't have a Tyler Algier to give the wrong guy the ball to. The Titans didn't have other options. They had Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. So he couldn't even get cute. There was no one to get cute with. Titans lit it up. We saw a couple really good seasons. Mike Rabel, stubborn loyalty is an issue with him. I'm just a fair warning. He will not outsource for coordinators. He wants to do things his way. He'll keep his buddies around for longer than he should. He kept Todd Downing in there for much longer than he should. That was a Matt Canada situation. Shane Bowen, decent guy. Titans are terrible outside of the red zone. Kept Shane Bowen for his defensive coordinator. He will not outsource to bring in talent. And I get it. It's a loyalty thing. Come from that Patriot tree. I, I understand. But it doesn't work like that in this day and age. Mike Vrabel can fix that Eagles culture by the beginning of the summer. I will guarantee you he will get every ounce of effort out of the players in that locker room. But it's terrifying with a quarterback that has regressed, such as Jalen Hurts, to not have that stability 
of an offensive presence for it's five years for the longest tenured offensive coordinator right now. Maybe that number drops to four years, three years, and then you're doing it all over again. So I think Mike Vrabel can fix a, a culture. He just better hit the home run every every season with those coordinators. He's a brilliant in-game decision maker, knower of the rule book, the best motivator in football. And I crap a lot on Dan Campbell, but Dan Campbell is up there too. Hell, awesome stuff by Detroit. We didn't talk Detroit LA, and we probably should have. But like freaking awesome for the for the for the Lions. But I do worry about them losing Ben Johnson, who is one of the most brilliant offensive minds right now, who's gonna get a head coaching gig somewhere. And, and, you know, now you put in a new system with whoever comes into town because it's not Dan Campbell, you know, uh, running that side of things. But hell, hell of a job at Dan Campbell fixing that culture. He pulled a Mike Vrabel in Detroit. And now this guy, like Mike Vrabel with Tennessee and the runs that they had. And now Dan Campbell has that opportunity to turn this whole thing around. And we might see a similar situation in, situation in four years from now when Detroit maybe kind of plateaus and they need to bring someone in on the offensive side of things. So I think, you know, I heard some of my Eagles friends asking me about Rabel and I think he'll fix the culture by June, but I worry about the offense. I worry about Jalen Hurts not being paired with, you know, a Sean McVay, a Mike McDaniel, a Ben Johnson, a um, a Brian Callahan. Uh, My other idea is Todd Monken. You know, he's interviewing for head coaching gigs. Does he want to be a head coach? I don't know. Uh, but we saw him go to Baltimore and not turn Lamar Jackson into a drop back and throw quarterback, but he incorporated the necessities to open it up. And Baltimore's scary good right now. So those are my two fix-it ideas. I don't know if Nick Sirianni gets canned, but I'd be shocked if there weren't some serious changes coming from Howie Roseman. I talked a lot there, but I figured I'd let you get your voice back. No, no, we're good, man. Look, I, I, I'm good. Like, everything you said is amazing. Uh, I am going to backtrack to the Lions Rams and just kind of talk about what we're talking about in terms of coaching. Like X's and O's are one thing, but you got to get players to buy in to what you're selling and feeding them. Right. And, but, but, but here's, but here's how you get that buy-in Luch. There's gotta be true accountability. And even though some moments might be tough or rough, if there's accountability across the board, if they know, hey, the coaches are going to be accountable, the coordinators are going to be accountable, the players then say, okay, there's accountability. Let's buy in. Luke, then they buy in and they start seeing results. Accountability and results go a long way in the NFL. Accountability and results. And I think that's what they have in Detroit. And yeah. as a result, then as a result, Luke, the coach says, hey, I'm going to trust you guys to do your job. Why does Dan Campbell go for it so much on fourth down? Yes, the analytics, but what is it doing? It's empowering Jared Goff to go out and do what he's supposed to do as the quarterback of this football team. And so the confidence gets rolling. Ben Johnson, he, what, what else does it say? It said, hey, Ben, I'm trusting you to make the right play call here, buddy. So Ben Johnson gets entrusted to do more. And the team feeds off that, right? And, and all of a sudden, you get some mojo going. And, yeah, Detroit's tier two. But this team won 12 games this season. Most they won in a long time. Won a playoff game. Most they won in a long time. Got some excitement going. People are saying, hey, these aren't the same old lines, and they're not. And leadership at the head coaching position goes a long way in this league. And that's why I think there's going to be so many coaching changes 
and so many other guys coming into some of these spots. Leadership, leadership, leadership. How far, how far can it get you though? It gets you pretty damn close to the right thing. Mike Tomlin, leadership, wins, but not getting very far. Hasn't won a playoff game since 2017. That team needs more talent. Right now, the Detroit Lions are a much talented, much more talented football team than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it reflects in their record, right? Those 12 wins, that's a reflection of everything working together now. If the Steelers have more talent, they're right behind Baltimore, I think. Are we going to see offensive coordinators start to get mega deals with contract stipulations to stay? Because, you know, you almost have to nail the up-and-comer guy no one knows about as your offensive coordinator if you're like a motivational head coach you know a guy a head coach that just coaches you know and doesn't call the plays like you, you got to nail the ben johnson like this is a an elite pairing that you know might not happen again because the the next unquote unquote next best thing uh might not be the next best thing you take a chance on a young guy uh, and he might not pan out like it's such a a timing thing of nailing, you know, getting a guy who's clearly not a, yet coveted to become a head coach, but a brilliant offensive play caller. The timing is is now for Detroit. We'll see what happens. Vrabel didn't have it since Arthur Smith left in Tennessee. Mike Tomlin had a deal with, I mean, good lord, Matt Canada, right? Going back, Todd Haley. The he never had that offensive mind with him. I don't care what anyone says. Those are. Old school football minds is 2023, 2024. Like yeah. the timing has to be perfect too. And Ben Johnson's the guy in Detroit right now. Bobby yeah. Slowick in Houston. D'Amico Ryan's better find some. I mean, it helps when you have a fantastic quarterback for sure. But, you know, Josh Allen can't mask all the lack of creativity in Buffalo. And he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, Bobby Slowick, highly coveted. He'll be gone. Ben Johnson will be gone. They'll be well, whatever team gets Brian Johnson. Whatever team gets Bobby Slowick, and even though Bill Callahan doesn't call the plays, he's super heavily involved and, and a super smart guy. Those teams are going to be fun to watch, I think, and, and they'll be really opened up the way kind of Detroit and Houston were this season. So, um, but the Rams, Chief, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This last thing, Lucian, and, I, and I'll let you put a bow on it. I will say this: I do think there's value in knowing what you want to do. And I think sometimes we feel like when we push these coordinators in the coaching positions, but every coach doesn't have to be a head coach. Every coordinator doesn't have to be a head coach, right? Like, like think, think about what we're, we're thinking about with Greg Roman right now. He's literally part of the reason why Lamar Jackson has had success up to this point and kind of helped Lamar achieve NFL greatness. And, He's not a head coach, but what but what are people doing? Hey, Greg, listen, if you want an opportunity to come and coordinate our be the coordinator for our football team, we'd, we'd be more than happy to have you. And you have to understand yourself. And I think, you know, look, look ambition is a killer sometimes. Ambition is a killer, right? Listen, I think there's something to be said about understanding how amazing you are at your job. I don't want to be Dan Bach. I don't want to run Roto Grinders. I just want to be amazing at what we do, right? I don't want to take over. Now, look, maybe I take on some more responsibility later. I don't know. But my point is, 
I understand, hey, I've got a niche here that I'm good at. I want, I want to I want to be the best niche guy I can be on this team. And sometimes with your coordinator, could you imagine if Chip Kelly came into the league as an offensive coordinator rather than a head coach? Could you imagine the imprint he could have? Now, look, he's back in college, and college was is his thing, right? Like, he's been an amazing college coach. But you get my point. What if Ben Johnson says, hey, and I think he did this last season. You know what? I want to stay. I, I want to be here. I, I, want to, I, I want to do this. And I think there's value in that. I'm fine. If, I, if Ben Johnson turns down head coaching job this season, we know. I think he's making a commitment to saying, look, this is where I belong. He's I belong. But I get it. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That, that, that's all I'm saying. I get yeah. it. But it's just such – it is the stepping stone. Like, it's the G League – it's the, like, you know, the NBA has the G League, right? Like, you have other ways to experience coaching at that level. There's been – listen, the guys that come from college that are elite in the NFL are far and few in between as head coaches. Like, there are some really good success stories, and it seems like the ones that boom really boom. But there is no way to replicate or better replicate or simulate the NFL experience as a head coach as being one of those two offensive or defensive coordinators. Like, so it's such a, like, apprenticeship-type role almost. Like, of course, you have your own mega responsibilities. But, like, that's it. Like, you are the second in line, like, of course, leading most things and most responsibilities and practice days in certain situations and from the locker room. So at that same token, like that role is almost expected that these guys leave. Right. So it's such a different situation in the NFL opposed to, you know, minor league baseball. I mean, there's a million different divisions. You can work your way up, but you know, yeah. where, where do you coach? Where, where do you coach if you're not in college, you know, to work your way up to the pros. Interesting to yeah. think about. For sure. But For can sure. we note the Rams though? I mean, Matthew Stafford's a warrior. Aaron Donald thought about retiring. Sean McVay thought about leaving. What did Matthew Stafford have left in the tank? The roster was gutted. You, you hit a generational talent, allegedly, in Puka Nakua. And the Rams were a field goal away from freaking turning it up and getting to the next round. And I hope they run it back. They finally got some draft picks again after the whole selling the farm thing. And Matthew Stafford is still an elite quarterback in this league. He's yeah. maybe the toughest quarterback in the league. When he's healthy and has some weapons and a little bit of play design, he's a top 10 quarterback. That's all I needed to see. Unbelievable season from the Rams. That was a win for them for the year. Yeah, absolutely. And the difference between the Rams next year and the Rams this year, they're not sneaking up on anybody. Everybody will understand, hey, don't don't listen to the media, right? This team's not bad. They're going to be fine. We have to be ready to go. And, uh, you know, that's to me, that that's going to be the thing about the Rams. But if they run it back, how do they how do they adjust to people still understanding hey the rams are still a good football team you know hey let's let's do 5 minutes here and cuz there's so the coaching this is like a mega year for coaching changes and i don't think we've seen an offseason like this between the veterans the proven winners the super bowl champions the legacies the hall of fame coaches and these new up and comers you know the handful we just mentioned the Antonio Pierce's, you know, making a real statement as kind of a, a, a Dan Campbell, Mike Vrabel type leader, a locker room guy. Max Crosby says he wants out if Antonio Pierce doesn't come back to Las Vegas. So, you know, you make that kind of impression on someone like Max Crosby, right? Who everyone on the team pretty much follows. Uh, you're obviously pretty damn good at what you do. So 
that being said, you know, two things looking back at Mike Rabel and, you know, the, the mass media and the talking heads, I guess that's kind of like what we are in a smaller version. My head's talking, but uh, whoa, why did Tennessee let him go? This, that, and the other thing. He wanted control of the whole roster. He wanted control of the personnel. And you just can't play Mike Rabel football. Uh, accompany that between some lack of communication with the with the president, uh, the owner, excuse me, uh, Amy Adams-Strunk, and, and, and Rand Carthon, the GM. Uh, and you get some friction. And I think Rabel should should have just been the coach, but he's the guy who wants control, just like Jim Harbaugh's going to want control, just like Bill Belichick wants control. And uh, Tennessee brought in Rand Carthon from San Fran and worked with John Lynch. He knows what they built. The Titans had the smallest analytical presence in the NFL before Rand Carthon came in and hired a couple of guys. One of those guys was Chad Brinker, the assistant GM from Green Bay, who we just talked about what they built. And, you know, I, I am a Mike Vrabel guy. I think he can win with a team that's already built with talent, that doesn't need pieces, that has coordinators. But Tennessee has a lot of money to spend. There's going to be brand new personnel, and they needed some new life. They needed some offensive, a uh, young offensive mind, and I'm hoping they get one of them to pair with Will Levis. You can't run, run, pass in this day and age anymore. Derrick Henry was the anomaly. Um Rabel's a good coach. He might have just not been the right guy in this situation. And it kind of makes me a little sick. But at the same time, I'm in favor of the new wave. You know, give me give me guys from the 49ers and the Packers tree to build this team and pair him with a young coach. Uh, and, you know, look what they built in Detroit. Look what they built in Green Bay with the changing of the guards that they've had. And they, it kind of gets me excited. So I think the right situation for Rabel is going to be interesting. But, you know, whoever the GM is or the president needs to kind of Move aside for Mike Vrabel. Move aside for Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh could turn this Chargers thing around. Is is any of these guys? I heard whispers of Dallas. You think Jerry Jones is going to give one of these guys you know more of a say than he in uh, personnel control and things like that? I don't think so. That's why I'm a little stunned that the Falcons and Arthur Blank have this kind of synergy with Bill Belichick. I guess to my knowledge, it's the only interview Bill Belichick took. So. I'm just a little bit surprised. I mean, Arthur Blank is the alpha, the guy that you know wants to call most of the shots there with Atlanta. So it's not like a, a marriage that I saw or thought would fit very well. What are your thoughts on Bill Belichick? Well, but before I do that, and I, and I, and I, what I want to do, Luch, is I want to make sure people understand where the vacancies are, right? Because I think that's important for people to know because you might forget about some of them. There are a lot. And I do mean a lot, like way more than usual, right? Out of nowhere, Pete Carroll's fired. So Seattle has an opening. That's what we don't even think about because it's so Seattle has an opening, folks, for, for a head coach. Now, the Patriots have already filled theirs with Gerard Mayo. That ties into Belichick. We know Vrabel's gone. We know Rivera's gone. We know Arthur Smith is gone. We know Carolina fired theirs. We know uh, Brandon Staley was fired as well. So I'm just kind of putting that out there just so people understand, like, those are the vacancies. And then, you know, the Raiders fired uh, Josh, McDans Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, we did see um, their assistant step in and kind of fill that that void. And it, he did an admirable job, um, you know. But but anyway, um, the uh, Saints, the Saints have an offensive coordinator opening. The, the Giants have a defensive coordinator opening. The 
Bears have an offensive coordinator opening, which is why this thing with Greg Roman, I think, is going to be real. I think this thing is going to start to heat up as we get closer uh, to the end of the end of the full season. Uh, the Jaguars have a defensive coordinator opening. The, the Commanders have a defensive coordinator opening. The Steelers are going to have an offensive coordinator opening. Uh, the Bills had one. Maybe they fill it. We'll see. But my point is, there's a lot of openings, Luke, coordinators and head coaches. Now let's go to Bill Belichick. In my mind, Luke, if Bill Belichick wants to coach, and I mentioned those teams that have openings, right? What to me, what team gives him the highest likelihood of success with what I feel like he can mold and shape? Hear me out here. Hear me out here. In my mind, it would have been the Seahawks because that defense look, looks prime for a Bill Belichick-type defense, right? But I don't think they're going to do that with Pete Carroll in the building. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Pete Carroll's, Pete Carroll's a, a, a legendary head coach in his own right. So I don't, think, I don't think that's the place. Next up, we would have the Titans. But I don't think they're bringing in Bill Belichick because he might want control just like Vrabel wanted control. And I don't think that's going to work. You've got the Washington Commanders with fresh ownership. They just got out of an older coach situation. Now, you know, Bill Belichick, if he comes in, there's going to be a culture shift. Are they ready for that type of culture shift? I don't know. You've got the Chargers who have already been in, in talks in terms of Harbaugh, right? Already in talks in terms of Harbaugh. you got the Panthers where he probably doesn't want to go because his ownership group is just feels like the worst. You've got the Raiders where he would be replacing a predecessor, but I feel like they may want to give their interim a shot because Antonio Pierce did a heck of a job with that team down the stretch. Luch, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us, Luch? I'm telling you right now, where, where in the world do you think Bill Belichick could go and win more with less right now? It's got to be Atlanta. I know they don't have a quarterback. But look at the division. He could easily lift this team up out of the dirt. And heck, they may even draft a quarterback, Luke. Or, 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 or here's what they may do. They may find a way to bring Jimmy Garoppolo into the building, somebody he's familiar with. You see, you see what I'm saying? There are things that they could do to shore this thing up. You know, they could just find ways to, to – tread water if you will right tread water. yeah you know what what if now now here's the other thing if if the falcons if the bears are in fact looking to get rid of justin fields atlanta's a perfect landing spot he's back home he's in a dome like you get what i'm saying there are things that are working in atlanta's favor i'm telling you and i know and it's not just because atlanta has said they've had a meeting I actually think this is the best landing spot for Bill Belichick because he's got a team, to me, that's fun, right? Pretty good ownership in a unique situation in a division where in a division where everybody's clumped together and they just need a little bit more culture. How many games did they lose because Arthur Smith was just being an idiot? Bill Belichick doesn't lose those games. 
he's going to manage the clock well. He's going to manage the game well. They've got enough talent for them to, in that division, they can win 10 or 11 games right now if Bill Belichick walks through the door. They won not, they, they won how many? Seven, eight last year? Nine, whatever it was. They can win 10 to 11 games if Bill Belichick just walks through the door and shifts the culture right now. Imagine if they go get a quarterback. They might run away with this dumb division. By dumb, I mean they're, they're probably better than the Panthers. They're probably better than the Saints if they had competent coaching. And they probably, because of coaching, get past the Buccaneers and one, and they, maybe they split with, with Tampa Bay. My point is, as crazy as it sounds, man, I think it's the ideal spot for Bill Belichick. A division, he, he doesn't have to be out in the cold every night, right? They play in a dome, and most of the teams in our division are in a dome or in warmer weather most of the year outside of Charlotte, who is going to get cold, you know, come November, December, but it's not going to be crazy. All right, I digress. I think I'm kind of maybe it's a lazy analogy, but I'm grouping Bill Belichick, Harbaugh, and Vrabel together as old school coaches who want power that make really good decisions in game. But who knows what they're going to do offensively? I think of the Chargers because you have a quarterback who is intelligent can maybe mask a lack of play calling if the coordinator they bring in isn't fantastic. You just have a roster full of talented names on paper. I know they're going to have to shed a couple of these guys, but who have just underperformed much like the Eagles have. I mean, you have names that, you know, that would be in demand if they were on the market all over this team, both sides of the ball. And they've been exceptionally disappointing defensively. And I think Bill Belichick, I think Mike Vrabel in terms of this is the team we have to win with because we don't have any money. And like this is the roster for the next you know two three years. Think of the Chargers. I, I think you know Justin Herbert's a nice selling point too. So I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, it seems like Chargers and Harbaugh might be the thing. That's what the rumor is. We'll see what happens. But I like the Atlanta take with Belichick. It makes a little makes a little sense to me now that you broke it down for me. I guess I can live with it. I mean, here's my thing. Like. I just feel like if he goes to the AFC East, right, on paper that division should be getting tougher because I feel like the Chiefs are going to try to fix some of those offensive problems. The Raiders, if they fix their stuff, they should be better, right? The Broncos got better as the year went along, but they kind of faltered. And then you're dealing with the Chargers, who if they get a new coach and and they hit, you know, where they should be for their talent, like – if he goes to the Chargers, so like he's got, I feel like he's got more of an uphill battle. I do think there's some validity in him wanting to continue to tack on wins to his resume, for what it's worth. What better division to go to than the NFC South, where you could possibly win a division your first year in? I just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's close. We did a lot of talking. But I just want to say, like, awesome for Detroit again. And, you know, I'm not super pro Dan Campbell is the future future. And, you know, you and I have said on the show that Detroit might not be ready, but they might win a playoff game. Well, now they might parlay that into two. They got Tampa Bay. Yeah. They're not taking anything away from Tampa Bay. They got a, they got a good draw, and that's they why you a, win the games you're supposed to win, and you win your division. You get a good draw sometimes. We talked about that draw. We 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 said if Detroit got the draw, though, they could win a couple of games and hell. Right? I mean, maybe we get crazy now. Maybe we do. 
Maybe we do. And maybe Dan Campbell wins that Super Bowl. Maybe because the timing with Ben Johnson, like things are cohesively playing together. Maybe they're not the most talented team defensively right now. But, but listen, if they're hot and they get a good draw, who am I to say they can't win the Super Bowl? And I, I said this uh, on a pod last week, uh, one of our sister pods here at the RG Network. Listen, the 49ers actually got the worst of the draw here because Green Bay is a much better team offensively than Tampa Bay right now. Now, can, can, can Jordan Love go in there and make some noise and put some things on tape that give possibly the Lions some, some intel? Maybe. But the 49ers should, should have a pretty interesting spot here um, because Dallas didn't win. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if the 49ers respect to play the Packers, and the Packers are hot right now. Like they've got the juice right now. And so we will see, you know, what happens here in, in, in this divisional, this divisional round. But the Lions on paper definitely look like they're on their way to an NFC championship. How awesome would that be? Maybe we'll tweet out a food for thought parlay with some of our picks because we don't have time to do picks, but maybe, you know, it's early. It's Tuesday. Let's hit the reset button, figure out some, uh, some picks for these games and we'll get them up on scores and odds for sure. Check out scores and odds.com. Okay, but I, can we will... I can go through it real quick. Cause I already know where I'm at. I'm going Ravens. I'm going 49ers because I think they're better. I'm going Lions because I think they're better. I'm going bills at home. Chiefs has it. Chiefs on the road this week. I, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I, for, for winning straight up, I think, I think I'm with you. I, the only one I'm thinking about it, ah, man, it depends. If if Detroit doesn't pick up that blitz, they're in trouble. I think they went at home. I think they are the better football team. Uh, but in terms of against the spread and totals, I need to do some digging in before I come on here and just start getting some conviction behind some stuff. So yeah, we'll get to that later this week. We'll give you a good story time next week, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. Hope you enjoyed uh, the recap and some of this coaching, you know, vacancy talk, little cap space talk, hypothetical trades. It's the season, and uh, many of these teams are already working towards 2024 and beyond, and it's fun. It's fun. Chief, anything else before we get out of here? Negative. Thank you for joining us, folks. We will see you guys next week. Food for thought. My goodness. It's going to be fun. Good luck, everybody. Thanks.